0: Hello, welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm John Briggs, Global Head of Death Strategy. Dimijin Bakra, our usual host, is on holiday. So I am joined this week by our global market specialists, Giles Gale, John Navruzzi, and Theo Chapsalas. Before getting into the discussion today, I just want to remind you to quickly hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available. Lots going on this week, a lot of it central bank related, or I should say, as we head towards next week, lots to talk about this week, as we uh, head towards three major central bank meetings, all with their own little variations and spins and potential market impacts. So I'm going to start right away by heading into the US with John Avruzi. So John, we had a pretty weak payroll report, although, you know, I wouldn't say weak, perhaps is the best word, maybe slightly disappointing on the headline figure. Has that changed our view for an accelerated taper or not?
1: No, it hasn't. And after we kind of dig into a little bit the details behind the behind the headline number, which was, it was low, There's it's hard to deny that, but it was, you know, solidly positive. It's main, It did maintain a positive momentum. Uh, there were positive revisions over the cost, past couple of months, so added about 85,000 on top of that. Uh, unemployment rate, the headline figure was dropped sharply. Uh, and then we also had the participation rate going up. So it dropped uh, a lot for the good reasons there's also a lot of seasonal fa- factors that were uh, included in this month's number, larger than usual, which going forward could also add more to the net revisions in the past. And the Fed is aware of all these. So I think from the unemployment side, the hurdle has been met. I don't think there was anything to derail an announcement of FASTA taper at the, at the December meeting. All
0: right. So, what kind of pace are you expecting to be announced if they do accelerate?
1: Taper's definitely still on track. I think they're going to double the pace to $20 in treasuries and $10 in mortgage-backed securities. And that would start with the the January purchase cycle, which implies that the February announcement would be the last one. So mid-March, the net purchases would end.
0: Okay, so we've talked a lot about sequencing in the last few weeks across different central banks. I think the Fed has made it pretty clear they don't want to raise rates while Taper's happening. But what does this mean for our view as far as the timing on rate hikes?
1: Sure, so our view on on rate hikes was that the Fed would uh, deliver the first hike next year, but in Q4 uh, 2022. Now with taper ending a little bit earlier, so we assume a quarter faster than what was originally planned. We also mechanically pulled our first hike forecast to Q3 2022, and uh, we show total of two hikes next year and then again, one per quarter into 2023.
0: All right. Perhaps the most important question, which is, what do you think the market impact of this is going to be if we get what we expect? Do you think that we've got this well-priced or do you think that there's still room for um, significant reaction
1: in rates? Since it's, it's more of a less certain like uh, rate hikes, there's still a little bit of uncertainty. There's some uh, skepticism, but I think it's mostly priced. However, I think once the, uh, the announcement is delivered, if it is delivered, we will see some more flattening of the curve just because people are now for sure going to know that the Fed can go in theory as early as March. That's not our base case, but they you know, they open room for much earlier reaction. So you could have a little bit more repricing of the front end yields higher uh, just because uh, you know the markets assume that the Fed has more room or either they want to or they can go a little bit earlier.
0: Thanks, John. All right, now moving to Europe. I wanna save the UK for last. I might have the potential to be the most exciting one. Um, you know speaking of a central bank that probably is not going to be accelerating things but can they so giles what do you expect the ecb to announce next week
2: well the ecb i mean it's getting towards a turning point right i mean you know we i guess now, a few weeks ago, we expected this to be a big and important meeting. I don't think we're necessarily expecting that now. I think the ECB is mostly going to be just playing for flexibility, so it's going to be pushing as many sort of decisions um, into in, into the first quarter of next year as it possibly can. Um, Now, the big ones are around the forward guidance for quantitative easing and um, how they talk about the path ahead from March next year when they have long expected to end the pandemic uh, uh, emergency um, purchase program, the PEB. So we expect that they will... Probably talk about this in terms of expectations. So you know, essentially saying, you know, we expect to finish, um, but obviously it will be in some sense data dependent and you no. Know, pandemic dependent and obviously there's more um there's more uncertainty around that they'll have to play lip service to that so that's the main thing then there are other questions you know around things like tltros as a question about a potential funding cliff and inverted commas in the middle of next year um you know there haven't hasn't been a lot of you know concrete signaling around that that they could well just push that um into next year as well we think
0: it sounds like a lot of kind of pushing details into future meetings. Just that I think markets are going to react to that in any way or be disappointed
2: by that? Yeah, I definitely think it's a risk. You know, I think that you know, in particular, Italy and well, you know, sovereign spreads in general, but you no know, periphery in Italy, especially uh, you know, that investors think that the ECB's. Protection for spreads via these asset purchases are, are really important, and you know the the signal that there is this expectation that they will end won't be that much of a surprise. But there's this kind of residual expectation. I don't think it's probably most people's base case now, but I think you know people are kind of still looking for you know some possibility maybe of a. Some, some, some new tool or something like that to, um, to, to, to try to protect spreads, um, when they stop the the PEP and you know we don't think that they're going to give that um, we think that what they will do instead is just accentuate um, the flexibilities inherent in the programs that they already have around the reinvestments and you know, I think that not giving the market something new and shiny might be a little bit of a t- disappointment but we are actually relatively sympathetic with the ECB if they go that route, in the sense that there is a lot, no, they, they, no, there is a lot of flexibility. Those reinvestments are going to be pretty big over the course of the year, you know, something like 400 billion over the course of the year. There's a lot to play with there, and I think that, you no, know, if they play it play it right, markets could come round to 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 understanding that and be a little bit less concerned about periphery spreads as a result.
0: All right. So regardless of the timing of the announcement, what do you think UE looks like, you know, when we eventually do get to the other side of this beyond March?
2: Well, so I think that we're probably around about consensus on that, to be honest with you. I think, we, they, I think that there are two things. So one thing that we will get an announcement on, I think, is the, per, uh, the pace of PEP in the first quarter. Okay, so that's important. I think that they'll say that they expect to conduct purchases at a moderately slower pace than in the final quarter of this year. Or no words to that effect, which probably will set us up for around about um, you know, sort of, you know, maybe 60 or 70 billion um, you know, monthly purchases in PEP. That, that's likely to step down to no PEP and the PSPP, which is a kind of regular program um you know being increased to 40 billion at that point and we think that they will be communicating kind of forward guidance around the path ahead for you know, for, for for that for the ps no the, the app their usual qe program um with three month reviews effectively um, i'm not quite sure that they'll be as explicit as that um next week but that is where we think we're headed
0: Great. Thanks, Giles. All right. Time for the hot seat, Theo. You know, we've seen the, I don't need to recap the, the last couple of months of signaling and and decisions on the Bank of England. I know there's, there's plenty out there on that and plenty of opinions and scars probably. But the um, what do we have? We now have the, the meeting coming up for the Bank of England. they hike or not?
3: They don't. And this is no hike. And this is quite a big statement. So when we When we tried fading this pricing in the market, we had the Sonia rate being priced at 42 basis points. So expectations for a hike were substantially high. Right now, that rate is at just 10 basis points. So we had a 32 basis point correction in rates since then. As not only in November, we got no hike, but also some of the very prominent hawks have changed their narrative. For example, Saunders, now looks at Omicron and is concerned. Now, the BOE has also mentioned the high value when it comes to waiting, when it comes to taking a decision. And we understand that hikes are coming, but again, this is a non-monetary policy report meeting, the one in December. So um, if there is any urgency to, to hike, yes, a hike could come, but we think that right now, as things start, And given the distribution of risks in the UK, it is more likely than not that we will not get um, a hike. Having said that, you know, we will expect some hawkish narrative. Clearly, inflation is something that has been pushing, you know, the front of the curve higher. So um, inflation is a burning problem. But we know also that the BOE, they have very often looked through that and when it comes to transitory inflation, for the BOE, this is a matter of 18 months. So, you know, waiting for a couple of months to find out what happens with Omicron and then hiking is not necessarily, you know, a very um, absurd or irrational idea. Can front-end rates fall a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. We think that, uh, you know, that December meeting, Yeah, it's at uh, 10.5 basis points where it is now. Can that realize at four? Yeah, very likely it it can uh, if the BOE do not hike. So there is still a case for us to have a bullish bias when it comes to front end rates.
0: All right. So if they don't go in December, what are the chances of 15 versus 40 in February or even nothing again? Is this all Omicron dependent or is it dependent on inflation, a combination of things? Like, How do you see the, the path? Of a December hold, even if it's a hawkish hold, December hold as you head towards then both February and market pricing.
3: So a hike in February looks very likely because the BoE wants to use the opportunity to signal, you know, that they can move away from this emergency low rate levels. Now, 50 basis points, um, as you've mentioned, this is the right number. Uh, the BoE they don't feel the pressure to hike by more, and also it would not make much sense to go to say you know 10 plus 25 to a rate of 35 basis points for example you know you can just do that in increment of 10s and actually it was mentioned by boe members that there is value to bring back the bank rate at a point where we can be talking about 25 basis points of an increment does it mean does a february hike mean that more hikes are likely um, yeah i mean if we get a february hike then it means that you know more hikes are likely during the NPR meetings, so the meetings that we have in May and meetings that we have in August and November. Um, we do think that there is still some, um, you know, particular steepness. So when we look at the curve, when we look at the money money market curve from February to May or from February to November, even this part of the curve is quite steep. So in our view, in February, we are more likely than not to have, you know. Uh, a hike, but then we did not expect uh, a BOE that will rush to hike. And the other point is that we may have, you know, a tightening cycle that is not just completed over 2022, but it just continues into 2023, i.e. the BOE does deliver some hikes, but they don't have to be super rapid and all in one year.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting dynamic you kind of raised, because I think the U.S. is going to be somewhat similar where you might have hawkish holds and then dovish hikes as they try to navigate and keep things from kind of getting overpriced or underpriced as depending on their certain actions so okay well thanks everyone that's all the time we have for this week if you like today's episode please hit the like button to show your appreciation click subscribe so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available just a reminder if you'd like to pose any question to any of us please reach out to us at bondcast at natwest.com thanks again talk to you soon